Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Beautio Books, an independent family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. VortexOptics.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island-based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and online at OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 809, during which we'll find out some fascinating facts about bird communication in the Talking Birds Science Corner. Plus, we'll salute some young conservationists from Portugal, and we'll hear some thoughts from Cape Cod with Mike O'Connor telling us about Spinus Pinus. But first, we enter the Talking Birds book nest because we hear that hatching sound. And uh, awaiting us there is the award-winning, again, Susan Edwards-Richmond, our resident reviewer. Good morning, Susan. She's not there yet. All right. She's in the nest somewhere, but this is a really, really big nest here. So she's over in the corner of that nest somewhere, but we'll find her in a moment. She'll tell us about another cool book. This is a kind of a family book all about birds, and we're about to find out exactly the details on that. And our own Debbie Bleacher will be joining us in a little bit. She'll be doing that science corner thing for us. Uh, fascinating stuff about bird communication. But I think we have found Susan there. Good morning, Susan. Oh, hi, Ray. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, hi. Sorry for the delay. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we connected. I know you have some exciting news for us this morning, but first, Susan, please tell us about the exciting bird book that you're spotlighting this morning. Bird Watch, right? Yeah, that's right. So Bird Watch, um, published by Story Publishing, which is this great field guide and activity book for families and children. Um, I would say preschool through third grade, maybe a little bit older, to sort of get their get their hands on um, really looking at birds in the field through a variety of ways. There's just so many different um, options in this book. It's really a beautiful book, too, isn't it? I've just seen just pictures of it so far. Yeah, it's got beautiful illustrations. It's got a lot of photographs. Um, one of its features is it has kind of little mini field guides. So if you want to learn more about woodpeckers, um, there's a couple of pages, a spread about woodpeckers and a spread about raptors and uh, a spread about wading birds mm-hmm. and um, also some information about feathers. And I think they kind of call it a browsable book where you can kind of go through and find what interests you and read. There's no particular order, but just kind of dip in and learn a lot about birds, what they eat, how they fly, um, all kinds of different ways to explore the bird world. Birdwatch by Christy Matheson. And, and I believe, Susan, toward the end of the book, there's a section in there called Bird Count, which provides us a uh, beautiful, a beautiful <laughs> segue <laughs> into your, into there, your book. Yeah. Your yeah, book, there is indeed. Uh, bird, bird Count is your book, and it has just won another award. Tell us about it. Yeah, so very exciting. So we do, have, this book does segue with some pages about birding and different habitats, which is what my book, um, Bird Count, does. Um, but whereas this is a nonfiction book, my book is actually what they call informational fiction, where it is a story with characters, um, 
but the character, main character Ava is part of a Christmas bird count team, and she goes from habitat to habitat, identifying birds with her team while there's a feature on the side with a running tally with hash, hash marks of the, the different birds that she cites. And so the reader can kind of count the birds that are seen on the pages along with Ava. But I was very excited to learn about this award from the International Literary Association um, for Children and Young Adult Books. Mm-hmm. And um, Bird Count was chosen as the primary fiction award winner, which means that for primary fiction, the younger, the youngest level of fiction, preschool through second or third grade, um, that it was it was the winner. Wow! <laughs> well, international con- category. Congratulations! And you have how many other awards for this book? Well, it has. It was also selected as a Parents' Choice uh, Silver Award winner, which was very exciting, mm-hmm. um, and it's been selected by. A number of different um, boards and groups in different states and national associations as to be on certain watch lists um, and must-read lists of top Uh 50 or 100 books. Um, You can read more about the different awards and things that it's garnered on my website if you want to check that out um, as well. There's a whole list of the things that have it's been honored for. And your website is? SusanEdwardsRichmond.com. Just wanted to see if you knew what it was. So good job on that. So Bird Watch <laughs> by you. Christy Matheson. I meant to ask if that book is available in bookstores. Yeah, yeah, it's available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. I think it's also available on the Target website, available in a lot of places. But I would also just check with your independent bookstore first. I always mm-hmm. like to give a plug to that, to those places that do so much for our communities. Sure, sure. And your book, Bird Count, same story? Absolutely, yeah. That definitely order through your independent bookstore. Um, it's Peachtree Publishing Company, and most bookstores um, have a relationship or a distributor um, mm-hmm. that that works with Peachtree. So, right. yeah, please do. All right, Bird Watch. Support your independent book uh, bookstores. Support your seller. Book Bird Watch and Bird Count. Uh, sound like a pretty couple of nice ideas for holiday gifts. And if you can't decide Absolutely. on which, maybe get both. It's a perfect companion pack. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. <laughs> we'll see you again in the Talking Birds Book Nest. Thank you so much, Ray. Thanks, everybody. Have a great holiday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're listening to our mystery bird. It's a little preview of our mystery bird actual contest. Coming along a little bit later in the show this morning. Here are some clues, though. The bird is normally found in the west and southwest. Oh, what I forgot to mention was we were actually bringing this bird back from the Mystery Bird archives because it was in the news in our part of the country this week when it was spotted in the great state of Maine. And unusual, again, because it's usually in the west and southwest where it feeds on insects found on rocks and in spider webs. And it sometimes leaps from the ground to capture flying insects. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a pale brown back, a faintly striped throat, a long barred tail, and a long thin bill. It's often seen bobbing up and down while standing. Some clues there in the sound of our mystery bird. And we have some wonderful, delicious coffee this morning. Not just any old coffee, but this is Birds and Beans. It's delicious coffee that also saves habitat for wintering birds down in the tropics. Birds and Beans Coffee plus Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. We have the new generation 13-inch metal finch sock, which combines the attraction of a finch sock with the durability of metal and perfect for those... 
Finches visiting the lower 48 in some pretty big numbers this year. So a preview there of our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. Meanwhile, the new edition of one of our favorite birding publications is out in electronic form. It's the Bird Observer. It's based here, again, in our home area of New England, but it contains great stuff concerning birds that's worth seeing and reading no matter where you are. In the new edition, the Bird Observer offers articles like Catching Up with a Spotted Sandpiper, Improving Birding Safety and Accessibility, Leucistic Red-Tailed Hawks, Beautiful Barry Van Dusen Cover Art, featuring the aristocratic canvas back. And the great Wayne Peterson's always challenging at a glance bird ID quiz. Check it out at birdobserver.org. That's birdobserver.org. Well, here's our conservation salute of the week. It goes to six children and young adults in Portugal who've just gotten past a major obstacle in a climate litigation case they brought against 33 European countries. Their claim is that government climate inaction has jeopardized their futures, and they want European governments to expand efforts to fight planet heating emissions. The European Court of Human Rights says it will let their lawsuits proceed to the next stage where each defendant country will be compelled to respond to the suit. Here's a quote obtained by NBC News from 12-year-old Andre Oliveira, who is one of the litigants. He says, we only have one planet, and I like it very much. We have no other place to go. The 33 countries have until the end of February to respond unless a friendly settlement is reached before then. So we'll stay tuned. Here's our royal salute this week to new Talkin' Birds ambassadors. They are listeners who have volunteered to become ambassadors for our show and to help us spread the word about birds and conservation. Thank you to Joan C. from nearby Hanover, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Joan. And thank you to Gretchen K. from way far from us in Seattle, Washington. Thank you so much, Gretchen. And thank you, Jolene Pearson in Johnston, Rhode Island, and her grandpa, Mark Bussell, in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Mark says, I listen to the program on my way to work in the morning on WCUW, our station in Worcester there. And Mark says that Jolene, who's eight years old, loves birds and has tried really hard to get one to eat from her hand. As of this writing, she hadn't had success quite yet, but I think she has succeeded (laughs) since then. Thank you so much, Mark and Jolene. Our own Freya McGregor has been extra busy lately, both as part of our show and through her volunteer work with Birdability, which, among other things, helps mobility-challenged birders find accessible trails. And she's let us know about something seasonal going on right now via the Birdability website, birdability.org, in the form of some cool holiday gift ideas that you can take advantage of if you're listening to our show on or before December 7th. Really limited time thing, but if you visit the BirdAbility site, you can scroll down just a bit and see Freya herself modeling a BirdAbility hooded sweatshirt and a BirdAbility t-shirt. They are beautiful, and uh, what a great cause this is. Get them while they're hot. BirdAbility.org 
is the website. Still to come on our show today, we'll meet up with our own Debbie Bleacher in the Talking Birds Science Corner, plus Mike O'Connor in the Let's Ask Mike segment, almost live from the Talking Birds archive from the famous Birdwatcher's General Store. will tell us about how he saw sandhill cranes in the state of Maine while avoiding unnecessary plastic use on the way there, and then switch to the topic of spinus pinus, or pine siskins. And up next... We head for the Pacific Northwest to meet our featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. In the dense rainforests of the Pacific Northwest, the otherworldly sounds of a large colorful thrush can be heard whistling through the trees. The sounds of Ixorius nevius, the varied thrush. The male varied thrush is blue-gray on the back, with a red breast like its close relative, the American robin. The female is browner overall, but also shows that robin red on the breast and wing bars and in its prominent eyebrows. Varied thrushes tend to be aggressive toward each other and toward other species, dominating other birds of similar size at feeders and only occasionally joining foraging flocks with their American robin relatives. The varied thrush has been described as a winter wanderer, moving from breeding grounds in Alaska and northwest Canada to the west coasts of the U.S. and down to the northern portions of Baja, California in the winter. Some just move to lower elevations in what's known as altitudinal migration. While some individuals wander great distances, sometimes all the way to the east coast. Ixorius nevius, the varied thrush, today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 809. Our website, we hope you'll take a visit there, is talkingbirds.com with no... G in talking. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. That can only mean one thing. A visit to the Talking Birds Science Corner where our Debbie Bleacher awaits with some cool information about Boyd's. Good morning, Debbie. Hey, good morning, Ray. <laughs> well, we know, Debbie, that sound is very important for birds in all kinds of communication from claiming territory to attracting mates to warning of predators, for example. But now we're learning that birds, or at least one species of birds that's been checked, can recognize individual birds' voices, right? Yeah, and this is really cool. Yeah. Um, three, research, three researchers at the University of California have discovered that zebra finches can, re- can recognize at least 42 other zebra finches just by their vocalizations. Wow, zebra finches. And these are birds that are used often in these tests because why? Oh, well, first of all, because they're great lab birds just because they're small and they're easy to keep and they reproduce quickly. Mm-hmm. But they were chosen for this particular study because they're a very social species. So it was mm-hmm. thought that they would really have an, uh, like an, um, an evolutionary incentive to, have, to learn to recognize other birds. Wow. So up to 42 other individual birds. No, can, at least 42 At least birds. 42. They can yes. recognize as individuals and of course to us they all sound 
what, exactly the same, right? Or virtually, oh, yeah. virtually the same. So how did they figure this out? How did these uh, researchers figure out that they could do this? Yeah, it's always a tough kind of thing to figure out how to ask a bird a question. Mm. So, and, and, you know, and get an answer you can understand. The answer is hard, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they did it in three stages. Um, in the first stage, the, uh, the researchers played some, some vocalizations from a few individual birds that the experimental group had never, didn't know. Um, and they played these uh, uh, vocalizations just a handful of times and encouraged the experimental group to recognize a few of them by giving them a food reward. So the, the, so the experimental group was sort of, you know, they had the incentive to recognize just because they'd get a treat, right? And it took just a few trials for the experimental group to figure out which ones they should know. Wow. In the, in the second stage, they trained them to listen all the way through to the, to the individuals they recognized and to interrupt those they didn't by pecking a button. So mm. the, so the, um, the, the experimental group said, hey, I know this guy by listening all the way through, and no, I don't know this guy by pecking next. Mm. Okay, and then the final stage, the researchers added more and more individuals to the vocalization pool. And remember, they added, unheard, they added, added fresh sounds from each individual so to make sure that the experimental group wasn't uh, just memorizing the sounds. Uh-huh. Wow, a different, yeah. a different uh, conversation, kind of. What well, was thought, yeah. speaking of conversations, that, that only humans could maybe recognize another voice after one conversation, something called fast mapping, but now I guess we find birds, or at least some birds, can do it too. Yeah, um, the the, uh, uh, it's, the ability's been seen in humans and maybe a couple of other mammals, they're not sure, mm. but not in any non-human primates and certainly not in my teenagers who forget everything I say. <laughs> so <laughs> these, are, these are zebra finches. Is there any indication that other birds can do this or we don't know? Um, we don't know yet, but um, you know, I would guess that anybody who's researching this would look again towards birds that live in social groups. Mm -hmm. What about the passage of, of time? What did the study say, if anything, about whether the birds would remember these individual uh, sounds or individual birds after some time period? Oh, yeah, they sure could. Uh, the researchers did not play the vocal, those recorded vocalizations for their experimental group at all for a month and then chose fresh vocalizations from those same individuals um, and played them to the experimental group. And the exper experimental group easily recognized um, most of them. Again, they remembered them after a month. I want to know which ones they forgot and why. Like, was there a reason for that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing personal. Right. right yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, the big question for all of these things is the application of this knowledge. Why does it, uh, why does it matter if it does? Oh, yeah. So birds, well, uh, first of all, any research that is done into any kind of memory benefits our understanding of any creature that has memory. Mm -hmm. So there is that. It just gives us a, a better understanding of how we all, um, all over the planet, no matter what our species, how we remember stuff and, and how we interact with one another. Mm -hmm. But specifically when... Um, uh, when researching communication, a good application to uh, a good application of this research when you think about humans is that even though bird brains and human brains are very different, the fact that we can do some of the same things can give us more insight into how human memory and communication work. Wow, amazing stuff. And fast yeah. mapping is not just for humans anymore. Incredible. <laughs> right. Debbie, thanks so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. My pleasure, Ray. Debbie Bleacher there in our Talking Bird Science Corner. Meanwhile, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute.
The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. We're getting another listen to our mystery bird we mentioned earlier, spotted in the great state of Maine just very uh, recently, this week, I think it was, and that's unusual because this bird is normally found in the west and southwest, where it feeds on insects found on rocks and in spider webs and sometimes leaps from the ground to capture flying insects. It's a small songbird with a pale brown back, a faintly striped throat, a long barred tail, and a long thin bill, often seen bobbing up and down while standing. That's the bird, and the prizes are fabulous, if we may say so. The new generation 13-inch metal finch sock from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. And this bird feeder comes with the Droll Yankees lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. And the bonus prize is a 12-ounce bag of delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. And the number to call is 781-837-4900. That would be 781-837-4900. And up next, it's Let's Ask Mike. Mike O'Connor from the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod in just one minute. What better idea for the holidays than to give the gift of books? And our friends from Beautio Books carry one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. From backyard birding books to general ornithology. From field guides for specific regions to photography, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find all of that and a whole lot more all in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. That's B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. My name is Robert Stephenson. I am calling from Clarkston, Washington. One of the things I like about being a Talking Birds ambassador is the conversation that it generates with other birders. I would encourage others to become Talking Birds ambassadors because it's very easy to do and you'll have your cards and be Talking Birds right away. Mike O'Connor is down there, Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, and he joins us right now. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. You know what, I just, I just want to say before we get going here that yeah. I just spent a week up in Maine traveling around, mm-hmm. doing some birding, and I was kind of inspired by your rage against the plastic, so I... I brought uh, thermoses and water bottles and stopped everywhere I went to refill my coffee thermos and I refilled my water bottle and didn't throw away one piece of plastic. I didn't use any. And I I, I kept 
reusable stuff. So good for you for putting that little... Good, good for you. Look at that. Spontaneous applause there from, wow. from the audience. I didn't know the crowd was there today. Just oh. for you. Yeah, they're all they're always here. Sometimes they're just kind of quiet. But uh, yeah, so uh, well, that's great. That's that's uh, great to hear. And you saw a lot of Sandhill cranes up there, am I right? Yeah, who knew they were there? Yeah. I didn't. I was up there looking at other stuff. You know, some of these winter finches you had mentioned, and uh, some lady tipped me off. And boy, there's a bunch up there. Apparently, in the last decade, they've started breeding up there. Which you know, people out west and down south, they don't. Um, you know, that's not a big deal. Mm. But this is up here in New England. It's not a very common bird. But in the mm. last decade or so, they started breeding up in Maine. And I think one patch we saw like 30, 31 uh, wow. of those ginormous sandhill cranes. So that was a treat. Pretty pretty cool. Well, when you and I talk about birds, Mike, we usually use the Latin name uh, rather than the uh, than the common name. <laughs> I know uh, I do. <laughs> yeah. And I guess we're going to talk about, uh, I'm not sure if it's spinus pinus or spinus pinus, but it's kind of a cool name. That is right. a cool name. It's a cool bird, too. And it's a bird we don't often get to see. As a matter of fact, the first time I remember seeing one, it was back in 1975. I was working at a local school, and I walked in the um, guidance counsel's office, and she had a thistle sock. And was. Mm-hmm. And I, I said to the lady, I said, what's wrong with those gold finches? And she's like <laughs> looking at me. And she said, those are pine siskins, you idiot. And I had not been familiar with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks around here aren't because they're kind of inconsistent. Uh, they're a, they can be a backyard bird bird, you know, come to our backyard feeders, mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen often, and in this, could, this could be a year when they show up. They're very nomadic, and they don't show up the same places, even when they travel, even when they run out of food, they seem to go different places, so one year you might get a lot, one year might, we might not see any, and one year we had so many, and this was in the whole Northeast, that there was a shortage of thistle seed, nitro seed, a lot of people put out, and it actually created a shortage, there were so many. And when you think of these birds, they're about the size of a goldfinch, and they really look like a cross between a winter plumage American goldfinch mm-hmm. and a house finch, because they got a little bit of yellow, mostly on the edges of the wings, but they're streaky, mm-hmm. like a female house finch, mm-hmm. but they're a little bit thinner, and their beak is a lot pointier, but it's their overall attitude. They love each other's company, they like other birds, but they're like a tight-knit family that mm-hmm. doesn't ever get along very well. Mm-hmm. They're always fighting with each other, They're and they'll stand up to any bird, a much bigger bird, and they'll stand up to anybody. They spread their wings, yeah. and they point their pointy beak out. So if you have a feeder, you know, and I always say this, you know, pay attention to your feeders. Just don't put it out there and forget about it because you'll see some unusual birds. And this year, you can see uh, those feisty little... Spinus, spinus. That's right, yeah. (laughs) All right, Mike, thanks Thanks for that info. We'll be looking. Okay. And talking to you again next week. Next week. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. Back to the Mystery Bird in not a moment too soon. Our Mystery Bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. There's our Mystery Bird. Normally found in the west and southwest, feeding on insects. Found on rocks and in spider webs. A small songbird with a pale brown back. 
faintly striped throat, long barred tail, and a long, thin bill. And Marianne is nowhere near the southwest at all. She's somewhere on Long Island. Good morning, Marianne. Hi, Ray. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Whereabouts on Long Island, if you care to say? Um, the South Shore. So- I'm near Patchogue. Ah, okay. I see it. I'm looking at a map of Long Island <laughs> <laughs> right now. Well, what about our mystery bird, Marianne? Um, my guess is a rock wren. A rock wren is not only a, a guess, it's actually the, uh, the answer, the correct answer. <laughs> nice job. The rock wren is our mystery bird. We are so short on time. Marianne, thank you so much. Stay on the line. We'll get your info and send you those beautiful prizes. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you. Marianne, there on, I think she said Patchogue, if I didn't already forget, on Long Island. Next week... We'll be talking trash with a representative from a wonderful organization called the Conservation Law Foundation. We'll learn about their Zero Waste Project. And our own Talking Birds and Anti-Litter Initiative will probably come up in the conversation as well. That's the thing we call plurting, and that's picking up litter while birding. We are out of time. Thank you so much for being with us. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Beautio Books, an independent family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. VortexOptics.com And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island-based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and online at OceanStateBirdClub.org.